Welcome to That's Deep Bro, Serious Questions with Silly People. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. <laughs> Bros, I hope you survived uh, Halloween. I hope you ate a lot of candy. Um, I certainly did. My favorite are those Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I mean, is there anything better than that? Don't you hate when people give out cheap candy? Or I, I can't do it. I refuse to give out cheap candy to children. Or peanuts. Disgusting. So today on my show, um, you know, I think she's one of the most beloved guests I've ever had on this show. And I still get tweets about her um, months and months after the fact that she's been on. She was my very first guest, lifelong friend of mine, Jenny Pentland. And she is back. She's Skyping in from Hawaii, where she lives with her four children and husband, um, and we're going to discuss the idea of soulmates today. I know it's seemingly not philosophical. It's more a new age and kooky shoes, but it actually has its root in Plato, believe it or not. So we'll get into that in a minute. Do your shopping for the holidays. Trust me. Listen. Listen to me. Don't go to the mall. It's the devil. You don't want to go to the mall. But what you do want to do is shop on Amazon, but use my banner on thatsdeepbropodcast.com. Click on the banner on my homepage there and do your shopping as you normally would. And I'm telling you, do not fly with gifts. That is silly. I know you're going to visit your family for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. Don't fly with presents. Have them shipped instead in advance on Amazon. You see how smart that was? Yeah, do that, but use my banner. Okay. That's all I have for you. (laughs) Um, I can't wait to talk to Jenny. So let's just get into it. Uh, We're going to do Soulmates. What a kooky episode. You know, I got, I was just thinking about her and and wanting to get her back on. And um, I'm like, who knows about this kind of ethereal stuff? And it's definitely, it's a Jenny Pentland kind of topic. It's a Jenny Pentland kind of day. All right, let's get into it. my gosh i can't believe who i have on skype all the way from hawaii uh That's right. it's jenny petland everybody she's back Woo-hoo. <laughs> jenny i would say and i'm not just saying this because you're my best friend on the planet and i love you love um you. but of all the people i've had on the show by far you are the most beloved and the most popular and 
So I still get tweets and emails about the Jenny Pantland episode. And you were my very, very first guest. So Well, that's why, because everybody's going to start with your first show. And then... No, but no, no, because it's, they have to scroll all the way back on. It's a pain in the ass on iTunes. But believe me, it's not just that. I think you, you think you're a very special human being. I think you're um, pretty wise for your age. Thank you. And I think, I think you and I are soulmates. I think we are too. <laughs> For, seriously, like if you tell the story about how we knew each other, I was actually talking about you earlier and I was just like, that was just weird how it all went down and how we found each other again. And yeah. Yeah. Well, cause a lot of people think that the idea of soulmates is just some new age hocus pocus, but it's in philosophy people. So let me yeah. break it down for you. So in um, the symposium, Plato has Aristophanes present a story about soulmates. Aristophanes states that humans originally had four arms, four legs, and a single head made of two faces. He continues that there are three genders, man, woman, and androgynous, each with two sets of genitalia, and the androgynous having both male and female genitalia. The men were children of the sun, the women were children of earth, and the androgynous were children of the moon. Oh, boy. Which was born of the sun and earth. Uh, Basically, we got split up. Zeus, yeah. Zeus punished us, uh, split us in half, gave us single genitals, and now we have to roam the earth looking for each other. So that's the basis of a soulmate. And it's supposed to be male-female, I think, right? Each well, other. it's male and female energy, not male and female sex, is uh, the thing that I understood it as. Because in Kabbalah or Judaism... That's kind of there's a similar thing too. So like if uh, if the female half of the soul goes into a male body, a lot of times the male half of the soul will go into a female body, or be in a male body also, because mm-hmm. they have a male experience. So it doesn't matter what body you're in; it matters what. And, and you know, typically in relationships, there is somebody who's more female and more male, or masculine or feminine, I guess. <laughs> Right. I There's think, like a, a I think you're absolutely right about that. I, I, I know what you are in your relationship. I imagine I wear the pants. No, we're totally 50, 50. <laughs> we're like, we're everybody, somebody in town's like, you guys are like the most 50, 50 couple I've ever met. I'm like, yeah, that's totally true. Cause he's romantic and a crybaby and all sentimental and <laughs> like, but I'm very maternal and loving and like nurturing and that. And if I get sick, he's just like, so get up, get out of bed. <laughs> We're like we're like half and half exact, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think in a healthy marriage, in a healthy marriage, you kind of trade off those roles from time to time. Like at one moment, you're the alpha and he's the beta or maybe vice versa in different arenas. Like I don't think anybody's one way all the time. That would be terrible if they were. I wouldn't want to be one. Like I don't want to be around anybody that's made up their mind about anything or is being any certain way because they feel obligated. Yeah, no, that's fucking role playing. But some couples seem to get along that way. Like, have you ever known the couple where the guy's like the nicest, sweetest lamb on the planet, and then the woman is just a fucking beast? And you're yeah. like, wait, how does this work? Like, because she just abuses the crap out of this dude. Yeah. And it seems to make his dick hard. That's the only thing I can imagine is working here. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of that actually. And sometimes I think it's just the the male in that situation would be like have a lot of self-doubt issues and want somebody to tell him how to think and how to be. And yeah, and maybe he had an emasculating mom. Is that what you think? Possibly. Do you agree with that? I I could agree with yeah, I know one that has and one that hasn't. Also one whose mom was 
incredibly nurturing and stuff too. Every time I try to break everything down, because that's all I do all day is try to understand <laughs> what's going on on this planet, like 24 seven. If I lived back in the day, I would totally be a philosopher and I would have some goddamn respect for it instead of being called a micro blogger and a housewife. But, um, but yeah, but it's like all I do all day is try to figure out patterns and that and figure out why people are the way they are. And there's no goddamn rhyme or reason to it, <laughs> and, which actually I think has led me to believe in souls hmm. and, you know, like individual, uh, life paths and, and, um, more like kind of entity and human body thing, because I don't know how else it would work. There's just, I guess it could just be pure chaos too, but I don't believe that. Cause I mean, look at us, we have fucking headphones on and we're on our little computers <laughs> and we're talking in a language that we both understand. I mean, I don't know. I know it seems, I mean, I wonder, I wonder what the attract, like, you, you know, there are people you meet and you're like, wow, this person fucking gets it. And you speak a language. And I feel like, I feel like people that listen to this show in particular, like they tend to be aliens. Like we all tend to be aliens and, we tune into this show and we understand this language, this vernacular, but then why doesn't everybody understand the vernacular that we're speaking in? Yeah. You know, it's, like it's a frequency thing. You're right. Maybe it's a soul thing. I think it's, I think it is a soul thing. And I think souls and frequencies would, it makes a lot of sense and goes hand in hand, especially when you get into like the quantum mechanics of things and stuff. And here's the thing that really pisses me off. And it's a little tiny bit off the subject, but like for thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of years, like women and witches and, and men and, you know, just people who are more on that ethereal kind of plane have, you know, named all these things that it's like astrology and just psychic belief systems and soulmates and stuff like there's been a belief system around that and now it's kind of just being proven by science in certain ways especially quantum mechanics kind of proves a lot of that stuff about like non-locality and um connections between um things that have been separated and like time and time and space not like really existing as as real things and stuff and like now science is starting to prove all that um mysticism stuff and it's like it's just kind of it makes me mad that like why can't we just have respect for that why can't we just respect it for, without- the, for the unseen for the, the unknowables yeah yeah because i i think the um sorry i'm just making a note here before i forget no, you do i get that. a million thoughts yeah because i do think there you know i i've been criticized on this show um or I, yeah for being like too ethereal or whatever about things but it's like look to deny the possibility of something entirely existing is irrational you know for instance to deny the possibility absolutely like there's no such thing as soulmates well how the fuck do you know i hate Um, when people do that you don't know you there's no there's no judge that's going to tell you either way really um and even science by the way is not absolute it doesn't have all the answers and it changes through history and religion influences that and uh you know light is both particle and wave so that there's no absolute the observer is the fucking missing link so the person through their skewed filter and most people's filter is pretty fucking skewed Mm -hmm. i mean just we're kind of fucked up as a here's why i think we're fucked up i'm gonna throw us out there i love it go for it (laughs) because i I really do believe in the ancient astronaut theory and i really do think like we are half animal and we are half like some kind of higher thinking being and we struggle with our own 
like monkey self Ooh, and alien like self, like that struggle is so fucking constant and deep. It seems to me like this makes the most sense when I try to boil things down to make sense for me so I can function daily, which is, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, um, is really like, there's like a pull between this like animal self and like this kind of higher thinking, uh, consciousness being or soul or whatever, there just seems to be like constant headbutting between the two of those things. Hmm. And I think that that's a lot of the reason that we struggle too. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's so, um, that's interesting because we're not totally spiritual beings, but we're partially spiritual beings. Yeah. I mean, if you look at all the great religions, the idea is at one time we were united with God. We were all part of this great source and then you come to earth and you're separated from God through your flesh. But part of you is still a piece of God. So yeah. it's, it's like, how the, how the fuck do you navigate? And how do you explain things like, you know, I mean, maybe this is the animal part to us of intuition, which you're a mother of four human beings. Um, I'm sure you understand that. Um, and, or a little shit, like you pick up the phone to call somebody. I mean, I don't, this doesn't happen so much on cell phones, but back in the day when you had just a phone in your house, you'd pick up the phone to call your mother, your father, whatever, and they're already on the line. Yeah. Like, how does that wacky shit happen? Yeah. I, and I mean, it actually makes sense in science. Well, with maybe not Newtonian physics as much, but with like the more quantum mechanics and stuff that they're doing, uh, you know, more research on with the idea of actually understanding something instead of proving something wrong. I think like the observer effect thing is what throws everything off because that's what makes everything so subjective. And it's like, yeah, the, everything is a particle and a wave, but it's the observer, which hmm. what is the observer then? It's got to be like a, a piece of consciousness and like, you know, the whole being a, a spark of God or having a spark of God in you. I mean, that makes a lot of sense with the ancient astronaut theory stuff too, is that you would have, a mixture of that kind of DNA with the monkey DNA shit that, you know, that, that is your spark of God. That would be like your piece of consciousness in this weird meat vehicle that you're just kind of driving around. And for like, what fucking reason? And, but the thing is like, why, why would we even think like this if it, if there wasn't some sort of truth to it? And I think as women, because we, like it, it seems more like I don't argue with women as much about this kind of stuff. We can just kind of talk about it and have conversations about it mm-hmm. and try to understand it and hear each other's experience. But when I try to talk about it on like social media or stuff, I get a lot of mostly mainly men or very, very um, uh, logical people trying to talk to me about logic. And I'm like, your logic is, but your logic is coming from whatever you want to see and you're the observer and you're putting this logic on it. There's no such thing as truth. There's not really any such thing as truth and there's no such thing as non-truth. There just is everything all at once. And that's what like quantum mechanics kind of proves is, you know, everything exists all at once. There's no linear time and space. So really then what makes something real and it's the observer's focus on it that makes it real. Well, what the fuck is the observer then if not God? Because that's like, you know, that's your creator in that sense. You're making reality. So it's like, where do you put your energy and your focus? And that's where all that magical thinking shit comes from too with like, oh, the secret. I'm I'm going to think myself into being a millionaire right now. But it's like we don't really consider that maybe the higher part of ourselves and our higher consciousness selves like have a different plan in mind. Like maybe they don't want us to, be rich and fat all day and do nothing. Like, 
That's wants not, us to learn. Yeah, maybe that doesn't serve your highest good necessarily to just use that um, for material goods, you know? Yeah, a personal gain. Yeah, that, yeah, that's really fucking spiritual idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's, um, that seems to be the common thing that people do is take like these higher ideas that we really should be kind of focusing on and maybe paying attention to and bring them down into the physical world into like the really small lower consciousness levels and try to make it about being comfortable and getting nice cars and getting laid, <laughs> which is, that's the secret. That's all well, you that's, need. Yeah. That's the secret. It's like, I, I can get as much ass and car and money as I want. If I just, all I have to do is manipulate the laws of quantum physics and the universe. I don't know what we're it, there. I mean, we have to be some kind of mistake is the monkey <laughs> alien thing that I think of like they kind of fucked up a little bit it'd be like if you were trying to make a cake and you used mud instead of flour or something like and then that's we came out are. yeah we came out we're like halflings we're like <laughs> half fucking idiot monkeys <laughs> and then half really high beings and like we just are constantly struggling with that I think so I think so I mean I wasn't so I was kind of spiritual but then I think like the act of baby making, like making a person in your body is so fucking surreal and spiritual. And like, you're essentially traversing between two worlds. Like yeah. you're, tr- you're the conduit of a create, you're creating a life inside yeah. of you. And it's such a trip to me. Like there's bone and blood inside of me, like bone, another being with bone and especially in the beginning of your pregnancy, when you can't see what's happening, you're like, you're just, yeah. you're in between these two realms of like mm-hmm. what actually is and, and this realm of what's becoming. And that's the spiritual realm, I think, of like coming into being. I think that's why women are more like uh, able to kind of talk about this airy fairy shit because our bodies are kind of mirrors of yeah. the cosmos. Like our reproductive systems of fucking miracle like our cycles, our periods, all this stuff mirrors nature's natural cycle. Yeah. Um, like we're more, I think we're more connected to all of that just by virtue of how our plumbing is set up. Well, that's in, in Kabbalah or Judaism, they teach that like, okay, of course they turned it into women are filthy, disgusting beings. <laughs> right. They can't be in the temple with us and they need to wear all white because they're so filthy. They have to wear white to cleanse themselves and sit over in that area away from us. But what the original text really said was that women don't really need to do the things in the temple that the men need to do because the men need the um, they need the motion to connect to God. And women already are born with it with the ability to procreate. They already have that understanding and they already live halfway in that realm. Men have to do certain things to get there and to remind themselves and to connect with it. But women just all, all we have to do is be because of our cycle and because of having babies. And we're already totally connected to that other realm and like are you getting really psychic and we are dreams and shit too yeah yeah Yeah. and it all it gets like very like the first time that stuff started happening to me was during puberty and I shut that shit down as fast as I could (laughs) and then when I got pregnant it got really strong again too and it was just like you don't ever really sleep again you're you kind of just go into the other realm for a few hours and you come back feeling a little bit refreshed but it's like it, it's not the same thing anymore. It, you don't exist on the planet the way you did no. before. I think that's really accurate. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you wake up every hour to take a piss. You're not really comfortable. So I haven't really slept the same way in months now. Yeah. You know? 
But it's kind of okay. Like you just said, you get used to a different way of being. It does connect you. And I've also found that there's less time for bullshit like when dealing with other people oh, yeah. and having my boundaries crossed. I'm like, yes, no, totally. no time for fucking around. I am now a mother wolf. I have a, a young yeah. thing to protect. Go fuck yourself. I will tear your fucking face off right now. <laughs> There's, you, I become more protective of, of what you is just mine. It's you get in warrior pose. Yes. It's, you get in warrior pose like yeah. hardcore. When you're pregnant, you're in one kind of warrior pose. And then when the baby comes out and it's outside oh your body, God. you get in a whole different one. You actually expand your energy field around. Like when your baby's in you, it's still your energy field that's protecting it. When it when the baby's out of you, then you expand your energy field around that person. And just like with non-locality, even when the kid's not near you, like I, I always tell people when I see somebody get hurt, it hurts my, I get butterflies in my uterus. I don't know how to explain it. If my kid says, ow, and he, and I can't hear him saying, ow, I will get this weird tickle in my uterus. And, and now, of course, they've proved that um, like some of the cells from the baby live in your inside the mom's oh, yes, body. Yes, I read that. Years, yeah, yeah, and um, and you know they're reacting to each other. It's there's like a non-local thing going on there. They're reacting to each other. You poke one, the other one responds faster than the speed of light. So there is like there is a connection between atoms and and um, and cells like that. You know, it, like you said, it mirrors nature, and that's that's the real nature. Like I think quantum physics and mathematics are the real the real deal, the real spirituality in nature, which takes all the romance out of it. But then when you get into it, it puts all the romance back in. It makes it even more beautiful and, and fun to think about. And, but it's a weird being a mom's, I think probably the most powerful thing, becoming a mom, having a baby, making a baby, taking care of the baby, like having no control, like the whole rocky, roller coaster process of motherhood and being a woman on the planet and procreating is um it's not for people who can't handle a lot and then yeah. you know it's your vessel challenge. expands though like yeah, whatever my you, what your vessel expands it's not a vagina joke but um when like everything you think you can't handle you can and so like when something new comes up and you're like oh shit i'm not gonna be able to handle this you can't and like you expand and there's this constant expansion that happens the whole time that your kids are growing up, like every new situation or something you expand. So it's like, that's also in Judaism too, that the parents, they say like reap the rewards of whatever good the child gets. It returns to the parents too, but it's really just like, you know, it's just talking about energy transfer. Jenny, why do you think the Jews have it right? How, how, how do the Jews get it right? No, I think they do. I just talked about this last week because I, what was I? I forget the topic even, and I read the Jewish perspective on humility, and I was like, why do the Jews always seem to have a more rational take on existence? You know, like your rabbis can have sex and families, and to me, that's so practical. Like, why would I go to somebody like a priest who's never had a relationship with a woman, who's never had a family life, and ask him for advice on my life, like? It makes yeah. no sense. No, it's just like having a psychologist versus a psychiatrist. I don't right. want somebody to learn from the books and is going to do chemical testing on me. I want somebody who's like, oh, I actually want a therapist. I want somebody who's fucked up yeah. and that I met in AA or something. You want somebody <laughs> who's been through the process with you, too. You want somebody who knows. Nobody wants – you can't connect to people who don't know. And I, th- I think the thing with um, – like – 
religion, the Jewish religion, as opposed to the Jewish mysticism to me are two completely different things. And I never got into the religious stuff. We did some of the traditional stuff as, as a young kid with my family, but whenever the religious stuff came up and people tried to talk to me, like I tune it out. First of all, I can't remember names. That's like in real life. And when you're talking about the Bible, it's like, wait, which one was Moses again? I can't remember like, I think Jesus and Moses are the same person half the time. I don't know that they're not. Like, I can't retain that. I get the gist of it, and I get what they're saying, and I get, like, the larger story, but I can't remember that kind of shit. So I could never get into the religious part. So I always went towards the mystical part. And Jewish mysticism is a lot like um, – it's a lot like other things, too. Like, you know, some of the stuff in the Quran before it was translated – by men for men mm. just like the bible um and all the women stuff removed and mistranslated like oh women are such high souls they don't need to do this study or they don't need to be in temple that turns into women are discussing dirty pigs and can't be in our temple because mm-hmm. you know it's vagina envy in some ways it's just so fucking typical you can see the same train of thought happen out in public every day when you go get coffee or something so you know mm-hmm. it's that's really what happened but i don't know that the um religion itself is a good thing or has anything right but we back to this idea of the fear of the vagina and the fear of uh of a woman's ability to procreate i think that it's interesting you bring that up because i've had mixed experiences being out in public when people visibly when you're at a point where you're really really pregnant people see it and there's no question about it i find that men react to me in one of two ways one is to be to treat me as though i'm their mother and they become very, I become this maternal figure to them. Like yeah. male comics who I've been friends with for years, I'll go to the comedy store and now the dynamic is different because yeah. I'm their mom, I'm their sister. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm not a person, I'm this maternal figure. And then the opposite is the fetishization. Like I've been hit on now more than, <laughs> yeah. than a lot. So it's either they sexualize us or... I become somebody's mom, which it's is the really virgin mother whore. It's, yeah. the, it's virgin mother yeah. whore. It's like the it, women have to fit into one of those three categories to be able to be assimilated into that. Those kind of people's minds. I'm not going to say males minds. I'm going to say right. certain, they typically tend to be male and you know, they're not all men are like that at all. My husband is absolutely not like that. Yours isn't. No, I mean, of course there's a lot of men that aren't, but in general, I really do think like when men have a hard time understanding women as human beings, because they've been taught that throughout time and it's no fault of their own. Like, and hopefully one day they will, you know, expand their consciousness to include women as people. But until then it's like, (laughs) you can see their minds go, Oh wait, which one is she? Is she a virgin? (laughs) And if she's a virgin, I'm in the power dynamic where I control her. And if she's a whore, well, you know, she owes me. So I'm still in the power position. So she's, you know, she, I basically can do whatever I want. And, you know, she kind of, I'm entitled to her sexually or even to like make eye contact with her. And then there's the mother thing, which I'd rather be treated like, you know, the whore personally than the mother, because I just am like, I don't want to be your fucking mom. I have four kids. I have my own husband that I'm his mother. Like, I have enough people that I am their mother, and, like, I don't want to be your fucking mom. Like, <laughs> if, if, be your own goddamn mom. It's okay to have, like, assimilate some of those gender things and be your own fucking mommy now. You're a big boy. You big boy. Yeah, but, and it's so interesting because, like, every person walking around was gestated inside of a woman. Like, yeah. every person you see 
Some woman carried inside of them for nine months, sometimes lovingly, sometimes not lovingly, but regardless, and suffered labor and suffered to create. And then the weird part is, is like, we're the fucking second class citizens on earth. But wait a minute, dude, I should be worshipped like a fucking goddess because I am like I'm creating. Yeah. And 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 men control things. Get your life. Yeah. You know what the thing is? And it really is like. I mean, when you think about what you do when you're afraid of somebody or something, like even like a dog, like when there's a dog that's like coming at you and you're all of a sudden your power position, like the dog's off the leash and it's coming at you and then all of a sudden you have no control or power and this thing's coming at you, your first instinct is like to lean over that dog and bark back at it or like do the bare arms or whatever, either that or run away. And, you know, that's just instinct to do that. So I think for men who typically have been in the position of protecting the clan or whatever, it's just instinct that anything that comes up against them and takes their power dynamic away that they would want to try to push it, push that down or, or continue to have the that power over other things. I don't think men are inherently evil or stupid or mean, but I do think that, you know, it would behoove them all to, you know, look at the way that they behave in individual situations when they feel like their power has been taken away because they're born with power. They're born, you know, with that kind of power. And it's just like that. Women are born with power too, but like everything that we're powerful for is looked down on. Like we're, we're powerful for our sexuality. And that's like, well, no, that's gross. You're either a whore or you're a virgin. And like, that's looked down on and any care position or nurturing position. My sister Jessica was just telling me about an article she read about how any, nursing position or any position where you're caretaking other people you're basically low fucking scum yeah you're the lowest class which is the highest level of anything you can do public service is a high you know high consciousness job any anything where you're helping other people and where your concern isn't just for your own personal benefit that's looked down on but what we look up to is anybody who is sociopathic would step on anybody else to get ahead. <laughs> Donald and, Trump. Yeah, yeah, Donald Trump. Like, oh, my God, this guy, he's telling it like it is. And we're, yeah. no, 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 he's like, he's a fucking sociopath. Mm-hmm. Like, stop stop looking up to that and start looking up to people like Vandana Shiva, who um, she's an, an Indian woman who works with all the farmers in India that are killing themselves because, like, Monsanto's going in there and selling them the GMO seeds and they can't afford to buy new seeds every year. So they just kill themselves. That's like how they, you know, a lot of farmers don't have a lot of choices and they're like, I'm better off dead. And she, she's this fucking loving entity. She never says anything terrible. I mean, she's basically like the mother Teresa of our times. And have you ever heard her name? No, but everybody knows who that fucking Donald Trump is. Like it's, (laughs) it's so irritating. I feel like the, the, um, like, what a pendulum is kind of going the other way. Sometimes I feel like it's going to swing the other way and hit that critical mass where we're going to kind of be able to mix male and female energies and value everything equally. And then it'll just swing the other way just as far and it feels terrible. And then it'll come back and be a little bit further. So, I mean, I think progress is like a pendulum where it's got to swing back and forth like that. Mm, But in the meantime, it fucking sucks. I mean, and we're born in like the best, this is like the best possible era to have been born in so far. I've always, I say that on stage now that we lucked out in terms of human history. Yeah. Wow. You're not going to get polio unless you're hanging out with Jenny McCarthy's kid. You're (laughs) not going to like 
get sent to fight a war against your will, most no. likely they're not going to instill the draft. You're not going to work in a factory in, in England and die in a coal mine. Like, it's pretty great right now. Yeah, and you're probably going to live past 40. You're probably going to. Chances are. Chances are, and yeah. kids will live. Like, I mean, more than, because what was it before, like 60% in the early 1900s, it was like, 60% of your kids lived or 70%. Jesus. So everybody had 10 kids because three of them won't be dead before the time they're three or four. And it's like, so now you get to keep your kids. Yeah. You get to keep them now. That's like, that alone is a good enough reason to be very appreciative of the times that we live in. Plus, with honestly, with the internet and social media and people connecting, like regular average people, the lower class citizens that care about people, like the um, untouchables and stuff that or nurses and like those people can talk to each other. It's not all just politicians and, uh, you know, people who are trying to secure trade routes. They're not the only ones talking between tribes and groups of people. Now the actual groups of people can talk amongst themselves and be like, actually, I don't really hate you and all your people and want you to die. You're kind of cool. And you know, there's a, the dynamic shifting, which is nice. And I, I think that there's, and that, I mean, that goes along with conscious evolution. Like, is there some kind of evolution taking place? And that would have to do with soulmates too. Like you have soul groups you're moving through the conscious evolution with and that you're rerunning into because I've had weird past life experiences in this life and heard weird stories and, you know, I seek it out too. I watch all those documentaries and videos and stuff. But I mean, if there is like, I call, I call planet earth of reform school. I, I call it reform school earth when I'm talking because that's the only thing I can think that would make any fucking sense to be in a place this shitty with the consciousness that you can have and the great people that you can have around you. Like it's gotta be some kind of reformatory. It's gotta be some kind of learning thing or uh, it has to be. And if it's not, fuck it. If there's no point and everything's chaos then fine, it, I made up an idea and lived by it and then I died. But, yeah, but that's the basic tenet of uh, reincarnation, yeah, that you have a karmic debt, <clears throat> and every time you come back to this planet, you're kind of trying to burn off the karma of the last life, and you're also connecting to these soulmates, these people or person that you've kind of hung with every life, right? But your dad in this life may have been, I don't know, your brother in your past, your mother in this life may have been your sister or your daughter or whatever. I mean, do you believe in that, that we kind of come back with the same people until we work it out, until you work out your, your hard edges? I, I feel like there's definitely, well, you know, with like we were talking quantum mechanics, when you say there's no linear time and space, but these um, like basically quarks, energy balls, whatever, they're experiencing everything all at once and all at the same time. And they're connected to other energies that are affecting them and they are affecting at the same time, but you're all existing within the same. It's a really hard concept to get your head around and no matter how many times you'll have that little inkling for a second where you're like, okay, wait, I, I almost kind of got it for a second. Um, but it's like if you think of it like that, that there's no linear time and space and we're just experiencing everything all at once, then – even the f familiarity that you feel with other people. I think there are something like soul groups. I don't know if it's um, more like soul energies. I don't know if you retain your, your personal identity when you transmute from one life to another or if you do. I mean, maybe you do. But I think in some respects, I feel like I'm having this experience that I'm having in this life 
I feel like I've had experiences with the people in this life in other lives. Like I remember very, very like me and my husband, when we first got together, we used to play all these stupid, like little love games or whatever. But one time we were like just sitting there staring at each other and we're like, let's just stare at each other and see who we morph into. Cause maybe we remember some each other from a past life. So we were both sitting there and just all of a sudden we both went white. We both totally went white and we both went, holy shit and broke away from each other and like ran on the other side of the room at the exact same moment. And I was like, I totally saw you and I remember you. And we went over the details of one of the times that we felt like we'd been together and um, they were identical. There was some things that were different, but like most of the things were identical. It was like, he was trying to protect me and I was trying to protect kids and like he had come up into this room and left me with all these kids and I was trying to protect the kids and somehow bad people came in and killed all of us and I remember dying and I remembered feeling like I couldn't protect the kids and then him feeling like he didn't protect me. And like I, I still see like things in this life of that. But then I'm like, oh, that's not in this life anymore. I don't have to think about that kind of stuff. I don't have to still try to fight a war that I'm not in anymore. Like, I and I have really like my veil is really thin between me and the ether. It's way too fucking thin for my comfort level. And uh, I think a lot of my anxiety and shits from that. I've talked about this before. I think if not on your other podcasts or uh, the first one of this, but um, just being really sensitive and really psychic and um, trying to make that veil thicker so that I can function. But if I want to access it now, I feel like I've kind of got it to a point where I can access it when I want to, which is nice because I can, it's almost like being my own therapist in a way. Cause I can be like, why am I having this intense reaction to this thing? That's not even happening right now. Right. Like you can have um, access to your intuition. It solves the problem. It sounds like you're closer to your intuition than most. Because I'm definitely not. Like, it takes me... I, I need an outside perspective to draw me back into it. You and your husband, just to get on the soulmate thing, found each other pretty young in life, which that seems to be a current theme amongst people that believe they're with their soulmates. Like, I know people that met when they were 15 years old, and they've only ever been with each other and they've been together forever. Now they're like 40 something years old and you're like, wow, that shit really happens. Like, I mean, do you feel like there's one person for you? Like, do you think the the man you're with now is, is in fact your soulmate and that there's one person? I don't think there's one. I feel like you're my soulmate. I feel like he's my soulmate. My sister's my soulmate. My mom's a soulmate. My kids, I feel like a very deep soulmate connection with all four of them. Um, my brother, my youngest brother, the 20 year old, I felt the second I saw him, I felt that connection. I, I feel that connection with a lot of people. I think with the veil being thin thing again, sometimes I'll just be in public and feel that with somebody that I'm just like walking into. I felt that with you the first time I met you mm-hmm. too. Like we were in class together and we were like 12 and like I made some stupid joke and you laughed and I turned around and looked at you. And it was like, a, I still remember like turning around and looking at you and not being like, Oh, that girl seems cool. But like, Oh, I, I know you, I recognize mm-hmm. you. Yeah. It was pretty immediate. That was a weird freakish yeah. friendship. And I've had that, like, I don't know, maybe one other friend and my friend Shauna and I have a similar connection where you just meet that person very young and yeah. you're still, we're still friends and we can go a long time without talking you and I yeah. and resume as though nothing has yeah, happened. totally. Time, I, I, time doesn't I matter. Like, I, yeah, time doesn't matter. And I feel like, and if we're both on our own, like, 
agenda or, you know, we both have our own life path or whatever, but I always feel like we're checking in with each other on some kind of like soul level. I've always felt like that with you, which was weird too, because for a long time we didn't talk. Our parents like wouldn't let us talk to each other when we were like 14. And so we didn't talk from 14 to like, I think 30. Yeah, was it 28. Years? I think 28. Yeah, 28 because I just had Cosmo. Yeah, it was yeah. like 28 yeah. or 29. Oh my gosh. I know. That was a long time ago as well. <laughs> but I mean, I just remember what, and the weird thing too was when I was trying to find you because I saw you on the, on Road Rules and I, I was like, oh my God. I know that face. That's Christina. And I was waiting for them to say your name to see if they said Christina. And they finally did. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to find her. And, like, the Internet was kind of a new thing then. And um, being able to find people on the Internet was kind of a new thing. And I was looking you up, and I couldn't find you because I was spelling your last name wrong, which I'm sure even <laughs> you do. That's weird. Yeah, yeah right? such a common name. <laughs> it's so easy so to spell. I think I was forgetting the S. But, um so I could never find you. And then when I did find you and we were talking, you had just met a woman that worked with my mom or something. And like, she was just in the process of telling me that she knew you and giving me your phone number. So like you had found me like the same week that I had found you or something. And so it was inevitable that we were going to start talking again. And then, um, and then I moved and all kinds of stuff. But I mean, the same thing with my husband, I met him when he he went to school with my little brother, um, were me and my brother are like two years apart, but my husband's just, they went to a special school. So they weren't really in classes assigned to their age groups. They were more like, um, just, it was like learning disability school and, um, they went together and so, and they were best friends. So they hung out all the time. And like, I came home from my reform school and, uh, I met him when he was, I think we were both about 17. The first time I met him was on a home visit and just instantly, instant connection, like instantly loved him. And so not like love, like I need to be with you. None of that passionate shit. Just like, oh, I know, I know you. I know your face. I know your eyes. I love you. And um, and because of being able to have those connections with people, I'm also kind of a shitty friend because I feel connected to you no matter where you are, what's going on. I so agree. I I, I'm a shitty friend too in that regard yeah. where I don't. I'll never send you a birthday gift. I'll never send you a card on any fucking holiday. But know that I always love and think, like, I'm just not that, I'm not that girly girl. But I am the kind of person where, like, I think about you, we check in with each other, and it's it's all good. Wait, I know you're talking about that thing when you meet somebody. What's that thing, that that recognition thing? That's so true. Like, when I saw Tom for the first time, when we met, and he was 23 years old, and I was 26, we met at the Tangier at this comedy club and like i just remember looking at him and being like wow like i remember or i know i yeah. just know you i that's true that's, that's the only way to describe it is like i know you dude yeah that's not you don't even try to figure out where you know him from you're like oh there you are like me and my sister jessica yeah. definitely soulmates um and we're like 13 months apart but like we'll talk she talks on this level all the time too but We'll be like, you know, when our, when all my kids were born, we'd be like, oh, oh, it's you again. And like when her daughter was just born a few months ago, I was like, I know you. I know you. I don't know where from. I haven't figured out this one yet, but I definitely know her. Like I'm looking in that baby's eyes. I'm like, we've had some good laughs before. I remember that. And I know with my oldest kid, like I have very specific memories of being in Japan with him. And my next kid, I have very specific memories of being in a fishing village somewhere. So it's like I have these little 
I don't have a very good sense of linear time or space. So, like, I'm late all the fucking time. I can't keep an appointment. I will never wish you a happy birthday, like, unless <laughs> there's some kind of fluke or something. I know. But I will remember, like, little pockets like that. And they're in my memory as if they happen in this life. They're unquestionable to me. I don't even question them. I, I don't feel like I have to um, answer to anybody about them anymore. For a long time, I felt like I had to justify or explain myself or um, or understand or have it make logical sense to other people or have other people accept that that was something that was going on. But now I'm just like, oh, I know that person. Like sometimes there's recently something happened where I met somebody and I was like, oh, you're okay. You're you're one of mine. I know you. And hmm. no, I didn't even talk to him. Nothing. I was just like, hi, right. like just eye contact. There you are. Nice to see you. Hope to see you again soon. Mm-hmm. And what about the shit dicks in your life? Um, The people that are the pain in the asses, you know? Um, Because I also think there's something to the soulmate thing where it's not necessarily that you know them in a past life. But for instance, I'm having this issue now with um, somebody I work with who is wired kind of the way my mom was uh, emotionally. And so she affects me the way my mother affected me. And we have this dysfunctional horrible thing happening and you go wait a minute why did this have to you know why is this playing out this way what the fuck you know i thought i was more conscious than this but maybe there's something to that too of like attracting what you're just familiar with over and over again until you fucking you know what it I've known so many people who will be in the same relationship over and over and over and over. And you're like, you got yourself out of the last one because you knew it didn't work. Why'd you go get in the exact same one? (laughs) And but the thing is there, I see that thing that's not clicking. I see there's one thing that's not clicking and you know, until that thing clicks, they can't let go of attracting that thing. And it's same for me. Like you say with your mom and stuff like that. I've had similar situations where I have cut certain people out of my life because I was like, you're toxic. I don't want you in my life. In my 20s, when being a toxic person, there was, you know, that was a big deal to have decide who was the toxic people in your life. And so I would cut like people out and stuff. And then five minutes later, the fucking instant that I would decide that person wasn't in my life anymore, another person, <laughs> like basically the exact same issue, they yes. come right. And then I was like, okay, here's what I think I'm supposed to be learning from this. I have to deal with this issue. I can't just ignore it. I can't make it go away. I can't, like, for whatever reason, I want myself to learn this lesson. And I don't feel victimized by God or the universe or anything because I do feel like it's my higher consciousness, a part of my own self that's encouraging me to be in these situations to learn something. Um, I had, like, a big epiphany at 35 where I was like, oh my God, I keep creating the same situation and I keep blaming the other person for me being in that situation. And hey, I'm going to try this time to take responsibility for it. Apologize, which was a big deal because at first I was like, that person owes me an apology. And uh, and take real responsibility for the fact that I created this fucking situation in my life for whatever reason, I created it. And I did that and oh my God, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like that entire fucking bane of my life's existence that whole thing that my whole life ran on went away and for a while i didn't know what to do with myself because i was like where's all this chaos that right. and <gasps> oh you're right it goes away and you'll either freak out and bring it back in because no, you want it okay <laughs> all you have to do is you know what you have to do is accept no. here's what i had to do is accept <sighs> that 
the other person is their own person and their life's path. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I mean, it might run into mine, but all I can do is have empathy for that person. And once that that's all I had was empathy for that person, there was no blame, no anger, no nothing. And it was just sheer fucking empathy. Wow. It must suck to live your fucking life like that. That sucks. I'm an asshole because I've been judging you while you've been suffering like that. And, yeah. you know, once I had that epiphany, I swear to God, I've never had to deal with it again. It's so funny. It's like I'll still have stupid situations. I get myself in 90,000 times where I don't learn that lesson, even though I have that in my bank to draw from. You think that I would, like, be like, oh, this is what was another that? one. Of, um, <laughs> I live on a highway. <laughs> the truckers. It was a trucker. Um, I'm yeah. at the Haunted Museum because we're setting up for Halloween and it's on a highway, so oh, well, yeah. I, I thought I was sequestered enough from the so road. But Wait, because you're right. Because um, I've dealt with, uh, like, my mom issues have been, I would say, the dominant emotional background bullshit that I've, that's my bag of bullshit to deal with. And, um, you know, it wasn't until her physical death recently that I was able to kind of like go, oh, it's done. Like, it's fucking, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. I'm so glad. I'm at peace. Everybody's, yeah. we're at peace now, but... And I think having her physically die has also helped me deal with the this person in particular that I'm dealing with yeah. now because I kind of go, oh, it's not your fault. Yeah, <laughs> It's not your fault. Uh, yeah. You're just doing you. And yeah. I'm letting you affect me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I don't hate this person and I don't yeah. wish any, there's no malice. It just is what it is. And yeah. we trigger the fuck out of each other in a particular yeah. way that's not healthy for anybody. So, no, and if you just shut your mouth and fucking have empathy and own every single thing, every time that person triggers you, instead of being like, that bitch just triggered me, which is, this is so hard to do, be like, oh my God, I just got triggered. What was it that triggered me? And it's yeah, so fucking yeah. hard to do that. But it's like imperative if you want to be happy and like <laughs> live a life free of constant fucking emotional pain is to be like, okay, I just got triggered because that reminds me of this or makes me sensitive because of this and that's my shit and you know I own it I got it I can handle it that's another big one I have to say to myself all the time I can handle this like I can it's okay you got it funny I just talked about this the episode on fear I had last week and fears come from the the belief that you're not going to be able to handle something bad happening to you but what you just said is I can handle it I can handle it I you're like you said your vessel gets bigger and bigger um, let's say the older, the more mature you get. Cause you realize like what can fucking happen that a, yeah. I haven't already dealt with, um, you know, death, disease, all this shit happens yeah. all the time. <laughs> like it's also inevitable. It's inevitable. <laughs> so what, and those are really the worst things I think that can, cause all the other stuff you can kind of deal with. Yeah. Right? You, and you can deal with that too. I mean, if we're talking about soulmates and, and being immortal beings on some level than even death and disease and shit you can deal with. You know, think about when we were in, in junior high or high school and you were like, oh my God, if I have food in my teeth and somebody saw it, I'm going to fucking die of embarrassment. Like every little thing was if like, if you bled or on your pants, like you just wanted to die for a year. Like now when I bleed on my pants, I'm like, fuck, just go to Starbucks and get a wad of napkins from Starbucks and stuff in your underwear in front of everybody. I mean, like the things that mortified you at one point that you thought you couldn't deal with that were so big to you and made you feel like you were going to die are nothing now that you have a bigger bank, your vessel's bigger, your 
um, your understanding of yourself is bigger. Your understanding of your purpose and the way things work is different. And it's just like, I always draw on things like that where I can look in the past and be like, this is what I used to think. And this is what I think now. So based on what I think now, what I'm going to think is probably this. So Mm -hmm. that makes the present so much easier to manage. I have to trick the fuck out of myself to be able to live this life is basically what I'm saying. I have all these tricks in my tricks in my bag, but that's one of them is to be like, okay, if I used to think that was the be all and end all. And right now I'm thinking this is a be all and end all. Is it really? There is no real like new there's nothing I can't handle. And honestly like I've thought that forever. And then when my teenager was being terrible last year, I was like, oh this is the thing. This is the thing that I can't handle. This is it. I found it. I found the thing that I cannot handle. And I handled it. And then I was like, wow, I handled the thing that I cannot handle. And then, well, that goes two ways, though. I can handle anything. And, oh, my God, what else is there going to be for me to have to handle? Tons, so, tons like, more shit. Yeah. Tons, it's, it's a nonstop barrage of shit you think you can't handle that you will handle. And, yeah, and, 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 nothing and, it, you can do. and, it, and there's nothing you can do. And I think the fallacy is in the West, we believe that life is um, the Donna, the Donna Reed show. Is that her name? You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's a sitcom where everything yeah. is hunky dory at the end. Life should be perfect all the time, but then bad things happen as opposed to no sure. life is a constant stream of yes. things being thrown at you. And it's, it's all about being able to live within the context of good and bad things happening to you constantly all the time. Or in Buddhism and shit where it's not good or bad, they're just things that are happening and and your reaction is what makes something real or not, which is more in line with quantum physics too. It's like, you know, it's chaos theory. Everything's just fucking happening. It's all over the place. How how are you going to choose to interact with the things happening around you? Are you going to choose, you know, to uh, resist them, take them personally is a big one. No, oh, um, I do that. I yeah, I make up a whole conspiracy theory as to what's happening. <clears throat> this person's out to get me. This is, this is all the sabotage me and my happiness. <coughs> of course, everyone's out to get it's me. It's all mommy issues, though. I have that too. Of course, persecution. Yeah, every, everyone yeah. hates me for sure. For and being sure. misunderstood, like the being misunderstood one's a huge fucking deal for me. Like oh, to the point where. If like my food orders misunderstood, I get that ping in my stomach where I get triggered. Like anything, I'm like, here we go again. And you know, there I've spent a lot, a lot of time, especially with the sensitive <laughs> shit and the psychic stuff. Like, I mean, basically, you're written off as fucking crazy when you if you talk about the psychic shit at all. But then, of course, I'll just sit around here and fucking wait and be called crazy and stuff until quantum physics proves that you know there is a thinner veil for certain people, frequency wise between their fucking time and space experience and and then you know everybody be like oh jenny those people all those people that we burned in the stake maybe they weren't that crazy i'm just sitting around waiting for that to happen (laughs) because i mean i know and it's fine it's fine with me knowing i just don't want to have to justify anything to anybody anymore i think that comes with being like 40 almost 40 like (laughs) fuck go do your own fucking research i don't owe you an explanation yeah that is kind of the benefit of being like 40 is that the number of fucks I give is like less and less about what anybody's going to say or think. Um, no, and you care more about people. Yeah. Well, I do. I mean, I care more about people. I care more about the earth. I care more about nature. I care more about like big giant forces. I care more about love and forgiveness, but I care a lot less about people's judgment. I care a lot less about just, you know, people's bullshit in general. It's yeah. nice to like, 
It's liberating. And And it's funny because I was just, I read this email last week from this guy. He wrote such a great, thoughtful email about this generation because I feel like I don't understand this this generation because they're not rebelling against what their parents' value systems are. And to me, that's really fucking foreign. And I think some of it, because I was talking to this millennial, he said that some of it is that we're we're hypnotized by this, by the thumbs on the iPhone. It's the the trance of social media, and that a lot of them are willing to be to self commodify. Meaning, you know, this whole thing about it's so gross when people are like. I'm a brand. Like, wait, when did the self become a brand? That's fucking yeah. disgusting. And and this generation is really open to the idea of self-commodification, of the yeah. selfie. I'm taking a million pictures of myself. And aren't I perfect? And everybody look at how perfect and beautiful and fun. Look at all the fun I'm having. And right now we're having more fun. And, you know, um, it's really kind of scary because the the level, and I say for them scary, meaning the level of criticism heaped on you um, from social media. Like how do you even develop an opinion on anything when you're just being shit on constantly from other people on social media? It it has to suck to grow up right now, actually. Well, and I know you can't, I told Aton, my, my 15 year old, I was like, you can't fuck up. You got all eyes of the world on you at all times. You can't fuck up. (laughs) like that. You don't get to fuck up because it will follow you for the rest of your life. And that's the, that's the thing your generation is going to have to deal with is, is that and also you know like you know is it in India they don't like to have their picture take, cause, taken because they feel like it takes a piece of their soul or um, I don't know it's so I can't remember um, I I know it but I can't remember of course because I'm on the spot but um, the like evil eye in Kabbalah in Judaism is the eye of judgment that other people have on you and like the observer effect it actually affects you physically and emotionally and mentally and there's all these things you're supposed to do to try to protect yourself against other people's evil eye and that's what the mezuzah at the door the rings that people the jewish people wear with eyes on them and stuff like that and the hamsa and all that it's all about protecting yourself from evil eye which i mean imagine how easy it would be to protect yourself from evil eye if you just lived in a little village with one bitch that hated you because her husband was looking at your ass and and now it's like you put one picture up or you do one fucked up thing or you play with swords in your room like a nerd one time and that video gets up online and then that's it forever that's your fucking identity and and like it's i part of me thinks like that okay that's just that generation's thing to deal with and it it might be a good thing because they're going to have to be really self-aware and they're going to have to be more cautious and they're going to have to be op- more open-minded and they're going to have to think before they say say and do things. And maybe it's part of the conscious evolution that they question everything they do before they do it. Maybe it's part of it. You know, I don't want to turn into that 40-year-old curmudgeon that's like, these kids these days and the millennials doing this and that. Of like, course. But I think... But that sucks too because I grew up having to think about everything before I said it. Yeah. And that sucks. Like that way of living is it's a prison. Like, cause I was always afraid if I said the wrong thing, my mom would get mad and throw me out of the house or, you yeah. know, I was always misunderstood. Like you said, that's the fucking worst thing for people like us to be yeah. misunderstood. I think that's a real prison. And yeah, they, I think they have to be vigilant about making mistakes. The ability to be imperfect is fucking, that's going to be this generation's, I, I think cross to bear, like, 
or thing to work on rather is the imperfection of one's yeah, self. But I think it needs to everything needs to come to a head. It's like the pendulum swing. It's got to swing all the way one direction yeah. before it can come back. And I think I think like I've already seen it just on Twitter like these young kids owning the things about themselves that me and you would have tried to hide in our <laughs> right. We wouldn't be like, oh, my God, look at my fat ass and stuff like that. And they're like, look at my fat ass. I'm so hot. And just even little things like that, even though they're, you know, more um, not big, deep ideas. And it has to do with, like, just physical reality and physical bodies and all that. But just that the generation, I think, is realizing that everybody's flawed. I feel like my son knows everybody's flawed. His older friends, my brother, like that age group, the millennial group and everything, because everybody is being watched. There's no, not a lot of secrets and there's not a lot of secretiveness and there's not a lot of hiding. Like there's a lot of people who feel comfortable coming out with their gender differences or whatever. You know, there's a lot more talk about that because you can't hide all the eyes are on you and you can't hide. So I think there, I think that there's an uncomfortable part to it too. But at the same time, I, I do think that, um, I see that generation being more comfortable with those kind of things and they're, they're braver about it. And they're just like, yeah, I'm flawed. Fuck you. So are you. And like before, if you think about like, and then all the perfection and the Donna Reed shit, like you were talking about, I'd much rather live in a generation where I'm being watched and judged constantly and, and expected to be flawed than live where I'm expected to be perfect. I, cause but that's the me, thing I, is I think that a lot of people aspire to perfection is what I'm saying on, on social media. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's kind of, I mean, there's filters you put on your yeah. photo so that you don't look like the person you are. There's apps you can buy that you can erase the pimples on your face yeah. and whiten your teeth. And that's definitely the other side of it. Yeah. There's, sure. yeah. there's the Kardashian norm of, um, I think Kylie, is that her name? The new one or Kelly or whatever? Kylie, uh, Car- the new, the new Kardashian. She's the youngest incarnation. Kendry. <laughs> Ken- Kendra, Kendra, Carly, Kymet, Ky- who knows? Karma. <clears throat> Kale. Her name is Kale. Um, <laughs> Kale Kardashian, um, <laughs> you know, little things like her nose is done already and she's only yeah. a young girl and her lips are poutier. And you had that phenomenon of children who are sucking on bottles, you know, yeah. to get their it lips is. to look for like, yeah. And it's silly and it's dumb. And I know I don't want to create a hysteria over it. Like, but, no. but there is that ultimate perfection where you're like, I don't look like that. And do I have to? And, it's fucking scary. Not there, me personally. I wonder if there are, I mean, like when you look back at the horrible fucking corsets and outfits that right. people used to wear and the, the Japanese foot binding when you look at their feet, I mean, there's always been a fucked up beauty standard that people can either choose to adhere to or not. And it sucks to not adhere to it. I'm speaking from experience um, <laughs> because you're constantly like constant fucking commentary. Like, Oh, you look so, I put Dr. Pepper chapstick on. Oh, you look so pretty today. What are you doing? Like the expectations are that fucking low. But at the same time, it's like I'm comfortable in my own skin and my own body. And like I wouldn't have gotten there if there wasn't those. Like there's a positive side to all of it. There'll be something good that comes out of it. It sucks to be a kid now, I think. I think it's going to – it's always probably stuck to be a kid for some reason. There's always a reason. And the thing now is just probably more being watched and not being able to fuck up at all. And then also like – the expectation of perfection and like you have to constantly be like documenting everything and it has to it's you don't experience the moment anymore because it's all lived for the purpose <laughs> of yeah that's i gotta, know it's you're living for the world 
to yeah. see how much fun and how amazing your life is all the time. Like I remember I was just talking to my husband about, oh, what are we going to do when, when the baby's born? You know, I don't want him to have to be behind a camera like that. But at the same time, you want to have a moment capture. Like, what do we do? Do we hire a photographer to be in the birth room? Like, no, that's absurd, too. Like, there's this fine line between being able to document everything, but do you necessarily need to document everything? Right, totally. I feel the same way, too, because I have the social media account, and I, like, document a lot of stuff. And there's I have people following me, and they know my kids' names and stuff like that. And I put pictures up, but I always I also try to keep it in balance whatever feels balanced for me. If I feel like I'm putting something up to get attention, then I usually take it down right away or don't do it. And if it's to scare people off of having kids, I put it up right away. <laughs> and if it's just just to tell the truth, my truth, then I'll put it up. And if it's okay with my kids, like I usually, if it has anything to do with my kids, I usually ask them. Um, and I try not to overdo anything or spend too much time on it. But I mean, it's a real part of my life too, the social media stuff, because I live on a fucking island and I actually live in the most isolated, populated place in the world, which is the big island of Hawaii. And I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere. And, you know, there's different, there's so many different cultures out here and the little micro cultures and stuff. I basically have never felt like I fit in anywhere, but I extra don't, I mean, I don't fit in here either, um, which makes me feel like I fit in because I don't fit in and I never have it. It's all a little fucked up, but like if I didn't have that as something as an outlet, I'd probably go insane. Yeah, well, that's but that's a, that's the positive side, I guess, to to the social media thing too, right? Yeah, it could be, be good, but I'm also hyper conscious because I grew up with a famous mom and people, you know, constantly looking at our lives and like digging through our trash and stuff like that. Before it started happening, like the norm for celebrities, we were one of the first families that got. Um, spotlighted like that had all our business in the newspapers and on the news every fucking night and the media was obsessed with us and it was so weird and at the same time now that i know more of the story and know that they were being fed the media was being fed stories and it was very easy for them to get information about our family from people within the family um it makes more sense that that you know, they were taking the easy story or whatever, but just cause I have that experience, I think I'm more hyper aware of any way of what I put out there and what I say. So I don't know that I'm going to ever have to pay a price for it. Like the kids would, but like, you know, there's kids at my son's school that put pictures of themselves, like inside vapor from pot smoke with like a little leaf at the bottom or whatever. And they've gotten kicked out of school. Not necessarily for that, but they'll be watched because of that. The teachers will talk and they'll be like, my son saw your daughter on Instagram blowing out a puff of smoke and then they'll watch that kid closer at school. So the, it, it is like the anonymity has gone. There is a big brother thing going on. And I, I'm hoping that the pendulum will just swing the other way where we all know so much about each other. And we all know that we're all so disgusting and flawed and gross that it won't matter. It's like, it's kind of like after you live in a um, dormitory at like reform school and you see how disgusting other girls really are and the stuff they do and everybody's masturbating in the showers and there's blood all over the bathroom and, and just how gross people are. They're so fucking gross and there's no secret about it anymore. Like then there's something very freeing about that. So maybe the internet. Yeah, there's the both. I think there's like, have you seen Dennis, Dennis Quaid? Is that his name? No. Who's the guy that played cousin Eddie on vacation? Yeah. Is that his name? Dennis? Randy Quaid. Randy Randy. Randy. Yeah. Um, he's got these weird sex videos up right now of he and his yeah. wife, but they're absurdly bizarre. Like something's 
going on that's not normal. Yeah, look that shit up. Um, <laughs> it's not hot. It's not. Um, oh, I can, I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, but you're just like, what has happened? You're right. There's that era. There's that aspect of it where you're like, wow, you guys are really putting it out there, huh? Like yeah. it's all right. <sighs> that exists. Um, and then there's a the sanitized version of people's lives, and I, you know, the idealized yeah. version that they're putting out uh-huh. of themselves, like as being yeah. sane and perfect. And who knows, man? We'll see how it plays out. But I don't fucking know. I'm all we went all we went all over the fucking map and back on this episode. We I did love that it. the first one too. I'm not good at staying on topic. I will follow <laughs> your lead next time. No, no, I, that's not no way. I like I like this. Because it all has to do with this this idea of finding people that you connect with, finding maybe the one, the many that you identify with and you share a bond with, and to hold on to those people, right? Hold on with them, hold on to them, and take them into your next life, <laughs> or kick them out of your life in this one, and then next time maybe they'll be good. No, but it's true. Like also knowing that you're not alone, even because I think one of the things that's really hard for a lot of people is feeling alone. Because weirdo, like you feel alone, and you know, like once you meet one of those people, even if you've only met them once, even if it was only for a minute, that sense of belonging that you feel when you're with that person that's real, that's a real thing, and you can hold on to that feeling. If not the person, if the person dies or is gone or chooses some other life or whatever, it's knowing that no matter what path everybody's on, and the people in your life who you can't be in contact with because they're they don't fit into the direction you're trying to go you don't want conflict anymore like those kind of people you can still love those people you can still hold on to the idea of being attached to them and having a larger um thing happening with them without having them in your life every day and like causing conflict and and being engaged in that constant um unhappiness that comes with it it's like there, there is like an uh for me because i've had these experiences with people where I know I know them and I know I've been with them before and I know I'm going to be with them again. There's a sense of everything's okay. Like we're kind of just all, um, like when you're on the playground, when you're a kid, you go, one of you goes on the swing and one of you goes on the slide, but you know, you're all going to come back together and go in the classroom later. And like, so that freedom that when you're going out there, that freedom that you have going out and trying new things and putting yourself in different situations, it, it can be a really lonely, scary thing for everybody, but just knowing that you have a home base or a touchstone of some sort, I think is a, is a big deal. Like that has quelled a lot of my anxiety, knowing that there's something bigger going on and that it includes a group of people that I love, like that loves real. Like, I think that's really the, the main thing for me and with the experiences I have is knowing that that love is real and that it's eternal and immortal and untouchable. That's good. So that that's a really nice thought that in, to alleviate the anxiety and the alienation that everybody feels. Because I tell you, the majority of the emails I get from people on the show are about they're telling me that they have two things: anxiety and depression. Yep. Anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression. And I'm like, God, if that isn't just the human condition, and and God bless you because you're normal. And if you're not suffering from anxiety and depression, something's you're wrong. Depression. You're delusional. You're crazy. You need help. Yeah. You need help you're- because you're in denial. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in Kabbalah too, they talk about that feeling is just a separation from the whole. So when you come down onto this planet and you're split up into all your your soulmates are torn from 
halves and everybody's off on their own, that feeling that you have that anxiety and depression is because you remember being connected to the whole and you know you're not feeling that right now. So if you can connect to that feeling without having to be out of your body and dead, like if you can remember that that exists and that this is, you're just like on a little road trip and that's your eventual destination, then then it's okay. It doesn't feel so awful. And the depression and anxiety feels more like excitement and, you know, like longing or yeah. missing something. It's I th- not. I think that's what that is. It's like a cosmic longing. You, you can't, you can't like put your finger on the sadness sometimes. You're like, what is that? That just feels like an existential pang, you know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why do I feel shitty? I don't know. I don't even know today. Who knows? There's yeah. just a hole in your there's a hole in your heart. There's a hole in your head somewhere, you know? The dark patches. I sure do. I sure do know. When you Well, thank you, Jenny. Our time is up. I'm gonna let you get back to your family and planning your, your party. Woo. I'm so excited. Do you have any big plans for your just so you know, I'm tricking my audience. I told them we're past Halloween because I'm pre recording oh, this, but whatever. Come on, you they're smart people. They know how show business works. Show business. Are you are you building a pirate ship or something this year? Not this year. This year we're doing a haunted graveyard and we're going to be using a lot of projectors to get like ghost effects and stuff. So it's going to be more like you're coming into a party at the haunted graveyard. I'll take videos of it and send it to you too. And it, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, post it on social media. I will post it on social media. <laughs> a big smile on my face and a big load of shit in my pants. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, uh, Jenny. Um, how can people find you on Twitter? Don't. Don't find Jenny on Twitter. <laughs> no, it's um, Jenny Pentland, P-E-N-T-L-A-N-D, like Penthouse and Land of the Lost. <laughs> uh, follow Jenny on Twitter. Tell her how much you loved hearing her again on that Deep Bro. Um, and yeah, any any final thoughts? Um, just that I love you and I'm glad that you're in my Aww. life and I'm glad we found each other several times. I love you too. I'm so glad you're my friend and I'm so I'm glad you're happy and everything's good. I'm glad you're having a fucking baby that looks just like see that thing. It's so crazy, right? All right. Well, I love you. And, um, ooh, someone just. Oh, my in. God. Do you see that? <laughs> no. What happened? It was a naked. My husband opened the door and stuck his naked ass in the room. <laughs> On that note, okay. my soulmate. <laughs> All right. Tell him I said hi. I will. All right. Thanks, dude. Love Bye. You. Love you. <laughs> I don't know. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.